I, I was walking over here uh, listening to the religion episode because I'm I'm behind, uh, mm. and <laughs> when I got to part about the morality of killing lizard people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, a really good segue into talking about local government. Welcome everybody to the Modern Dandy's Guide to Manliness. We are so happy to be here and join in this conversation with Mudcat, Josh, and Liam. Of course, I'm Wes. We have attempted this before, this conversation on local government, and it was so important. We thought we would try it again. <laughs> um, the whole idea, and I think what we were joking about last time was, you know, did I get some kind of parking ticket or something and I needed some help getting out of it? And what is that why I wanted to talk about local government? But in reality, it's, you know, look at everything that's going on right now with not just the United States, but with the world at large. And there are so many channels to approach making things better. Some people are marching in the street. Some people are fighting in the street. Some people are raising funds for charities. And none of those for me in particular felt honest. Now I give money for, for charities uh, I'll list them in the show notes. Uh, I, I'm a big Planned Parenthood person. But being out and demonstrating, even if there wasn't a pandemic, I don't know if that would really feel honest to me. And, and I was searching for something where I could make a change. And it dawned on me how ignorant I have been to any type of election other than the president. You know, so Senate, Congress, local, you know, state city, all of these things I've taken for granted for so long. And I selfishly wanted to have this episode and this conversation so I could learn more. And if there are any others out there like me who want to affect change, I think this is a powerful way to do so. At least that's my hypothesis. And uh, I wanted to chat with the three of you, Josh and Mudcat specifically. I know that this is a, a, an area of expertise and career it's what we do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Liam, of course, you know, you have experienced this in many different continents, let alone states within this current country you live in. So I, I think that there is a lot of content to cover. We've got a group here that has some excellent perspective. And honestly, I'm, I'm here to learn. Uh, so there's all these events happening. Uh, at the national level, with, within the United States and in the world at large, to, to some extent, we, we've got the pandemic, we've got Black Lives Matter, we have climate change. This is just a, a select few. So does local government really matter when we're talking about such large problems on a national level? How does local government play into that? I'll jump in because actually I want to jump on something you said in the, in the intro, Wes, because you, you talked about how, you know, beyond president, do you sort of get to a point where you throw up your hands and you don't know what's going on anymore? I think that's real common. And it's because the further down the ballot you go, the more impact those people have on your life and the less information that's available about them. It is a flaw in our, our system. It, it is, you know, the death of local journalism isn't making it better. But yeah, it, it, everyone knows everything there is to know about the presidential campaign. Uh, because we get up-to-the-minute updates, especially in this particular era. 
but people don't know about their their city council member as as much. They don't know. They they might know their you know who their mayor is or, or what their mayor does, but you know those those issues get swept aside. State legislature, same thing. Um, I've got a candidate right now who's running for you know community college board in in his area because that is an elected position in some states, and you know that's someone who's making a decision about you know what happens to so like 50 or 75,000 students in that in that community college district who are getting job training and things like that and those votes affect a lot of people but like where's the information on it but to bring this back around to your question like yes those things matter your sort of daily tax bill and, and you know we are taxed daily in one way or another you know your water bill your sewer bill your the your state's electric rates those are all things that are decided by people who have nothing to do with the presidential campaign and they affect your life every single day. Whether your trash gets picked up, that's a question for your local government. Whether your city even has you know, municipal trash pickup is, is a question for your local government. Uh, what are you paying to get a building permit? You know, If you want to renovate your house, all the things that really affect your day-to-day life happen at that level where you're not getting information on a daily basis and you are having to either do the legwork yourself or just sort of take it on faith. And, you know, that's been the strength of political parties for years is that, you know, people could just push that D or R button and like not have to worry about it, but that that's going away in a lot of places too. So I got to say all of, in addition to all of that, there are half a million elected officials in the country you know, 535 of them, 545, whatever the number is, of them are in Congress. The vast majority of those are in local government positions. And it varies widely from jurisdiction to jurisdiction what elected officials you have and what powers they have. Uh, there are, in California, water districts are elected. So if there are 1,200 houses in your water system, there's an election. There's five or seven people making decisions there, and they have all of the influences of politics. One of my favorite stories, a couple of years ago, there was a an 1,100-vote recall election for a member of the San Diego Water Board. People actually ran a campaign, got petitions, and showed up to vote Kevin off the water board. And with all of the, you know, attack ads and flyers and, you know, all of the things that you think of, corrupt corporate influences that you think of in a big political campaign happened for 1,100 people who just showed up to vote to fuck Kevin. And I love that. If you were in the city of Nashville, (laughs) the city council, which has 40 members, all of whom are elected by about 1,500 people, Decide what gets built in your neighborhood. They decide whether or not developers have to pay for sidewalks. A city council member decides uh, whether or not uh, when something gets built, if they have to upgrade the sewer lines in your neighborhood to accommodate it. And in the city of Nashville, your council member becomes an advocate or an opponent of construction and helps you know shepherd things or kill things in all of the city agencies. In the city of Houston, which is one of the five largest cities in America, 
there are no zoning commissions. The city council members just decide when, where, and how something gets built. And again, Houston City Council, not that many people voting on those elections. So the size and scope of your local government depends. It can vary widely from location to location, but it is subject to all of the you know, intrigue and influences that you would expect in any other election. All of these things are house of cards, just you know, smaller budgets and smaller casts. I mean, we'll take it to the, the other extreme of, of, of Houston. You know, in D.C., you've got the Advisory Neighborhood Commissions, which are elected positions. People represent about a block, maybe two blocks, and, and they get, you know, input. I don't, I don't know how sort of final their say is, but, like, if they don't want you to have a liquor license and you own a restaurant, you ain't getting it. So, yeah, I mean, as, you know, Mike had said, like, your experience may vary widely depending on, on where you are and, and, and who you are. I mean, 40 people on a city council in Nashville – you know, I don't know how many people are in Nashville, Mudcat, but like DC's got 700,000 yeah. people and I think a 10 person city council. Yeah. So Nashville has 650,000 people. Nashville and DC are statistically similar. They're compared for a lot of stuff. And we have 35 district members and five at large in addition to a vice mayor. It's a lot of representation. <laughs> it's a lot of representation. And I, I think the important thing here is local government is where you know, the point you're making is, is is where government actually touches you and and where's to your point about well what about you know why does everyone focus on the big national elections why does everyone focus on super bowl and, and that's essentially what it is it's like oh they've turned it into a circus event and and you know it's electing the leader of the free world cough cough and <laughs> we don't get to vote on Angela Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to move to Germany. I don't want to be the first one to say it. Uh, exactly. In air quotes. And, you know, it's, it's like the commander in chief and, and, and what have you. And, and, and so it's, it's this big roll up. However, in a federated system, a federalized system, that power is devolved to the states and from the states to the local government. And ignoring that, if you don't like what's going on in your in your city and your, your state, you can't really point at, uh, at the president or even your state senators or someone, they're not running most of the country. And it'd be, it's fascinating to me because I'd argue that the US has too much government and you know, it breeds a lot of inefficiency and when people complain about government inefficiency they you know they they're putting on that that reaganist hat and blaming the federal government that's not where the inefficiency is coming in the inefficiency is coming in when when you get jill and bob elected to to a position where they're really not competent and as you're saying very few people are electing people they like not people who are who've necessarily had to compete or necessarily good for the job which is why local government and to a degree, state government is so important, uh, and and participating in it is 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 so important for the quality of services being delivered to your community. Can we really quickly? Sorry, sorry, Josh. I just want to maybe uh, before we go too far down. Let, can we just talk about kind of the different levels here? Uh, again, this idea that there are tiered systems. Like this is how I view it academically. 
where it's like, okay, you've got the federal and then the state and then the local below that. Is that true? Nope. Does that? No, yeah. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot in the middle there. Can, can we can we just sort that out first? So first of all, I mean, the Enumerated Powers Act or Enumerated Powers Clause is uh, enormously vague and problematic. The question, it, Wes, you said you just started watching the West Wing. You know, in season, I think it's season two, there's the episode Shibboleth where the Chinese folks show up in the container ship and a guy says, I don't make that decision. All right. And then the foggy thing on a shipping dock, the guy from INS shows up and says, I don't make that decision. And the whole episode, sure, there's comments about faith and, you know, the, the role of church and government and what happens in China to Christians and all that. But the actual decision is made by the president punting an executive power to the state of California. There is no rule about who's supposed to make the decisions in most circumstances. True story. Sorry, you you mentioned West Wing and I just started thinking about Rob Lowe and and got distracted. (laughs) Wrong episode. Rob Lowe has that effect on people. (laughs) (laughs) I would... I wouldn't even when I think about government, I it's not the president and then the Congress and then the governors. I'll as a citizen, I tend to think about what's the closest thing to me. And you start with what we call special districts, which are your utility districts, your water boards. Some places would count homeowners associations as part of these, your ANCs in DC, right? Your ad hoc committees that direct that who were that were created to solve a specific problem. And then you go up to city councils, mayors, state legislatures, uh, in into the pyramid that we know. But thinking about it from the bottom up, special district, school board, city councils, local governments first. You know, there's there's county governments, there's, you know, multi-jurisdictional compacts. There's all kinds of shit in the middle. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the community college board, Josh, you talked about that. I did one in Houston last year. We did a community college board race mm-hmm. and multi, multi-jurisdictional multi government. Like they get a dedicated tax revenue from the counties that they service, that they get a say about. And, and this this goes to you know where I was going to pick up before what my cat was saying, and, and also what, what Liam was saying. It may or may not be there's too much government, but there's certainly too many governments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that has become over the years, you know, I, I try to do this without my my hyper partisanship showing through. But for years and years, what that's been able to do is let folks who don't believe in taxes kick the bucket down downstream to, you know, a lower level of government. And you get to a point, you know, like a city council can't just not pick up the trash. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, passing the buck comes from an entirely different thing, but like they literally are passing responsibility for the dollars down. So, you know, they can run, I've cut taxes, which is weird because, you know, the voters are thinking like, I'm still paying more taxes. Oh, it must be the mayor's fault. Well, fuck that guy. I'm voting him out. The mayor doesn't have a choice, right? Mm. The mayor can't not pave the roads. But like that used to be, you know, used to be block grants went to states and states gave block grants to, to municipalities. But now they've all cut their tax taxes so low 
that, you know, if you're a city council member, you you don't have a choice. You've got to raise taxes because like people can't be left dying in the streets. Yep. Well, rather they can, but, uh, you know, the, it's not a good electoral strategy. Right? It's, exactly. Our humanity demands otherwise. It's always interested me how powerful and influential school boards are across the U.S. And we had a we had a we had a chat about this, and I wanted to restart that because I think the examples of of like school boards being certainly the the power and the budgetary authority they can wield, and also as a stepping stone for other political positions, which is the other thing about local government. Most people don't just you know, spuriously get elected president with no previous background in government. It's just this Most, one guy. Just this one guy. It happens once. Worked out fine. <laughs> I'm I'm so trying not to be baited by this. Uh, the the but people start in local government, then move to state government, and then you know then move to like Congress or the or, and then to the Senate is kind of like a a career track. And it interested me how many people follow that by going through the school boards because the school boards are remarkably powerful, way more than I expected when I moved to the US. And I heard, oh, school boards, you know. It's like a, like a giant PTA. It's like, and it's not. No, you it's know, not. They, they control a lot. So you know the most expensive election in the United States? All right, presidents, governors, senators in a special tier. You know, some of those campaigns can be a billion dollars if you're running for president or $25, $50 million running for Senate. Outside of those, the most expensive election in the United States is not a contested race for Congress. It is a contested race for a seat on the Los Angeles school board. Those races are regularly five to not $10 million because they spend a billion dollars per school board member. Yeah. Did you say billion? The Los Angeles school system spends $10 billion and has nine board members and they have discretionary funding. I'm moving to LA <laughs> to run for school board <laughs> to run yeah. for school board. Yeah. I'm Wes Sutliff <laughs> and I approve this message. All <laughs> uh, uh, joking aside, is there any influence that, that goes up other than what Liam's kind of talking about here, where there's a career track that goes up? Is there any influence that goes the other way or is it always, you know, shit rolls downhill kind of a thing? Is there any influence that, local government or even state government can push towards federal because yes. I want to, I want to stick a little bit towards our, our first statement with everything that's kind of going on right now. And we want to affect change. Does the local government push upward? Absolutely. Absolutely. Minimum wage, minimum wage increases often start at the local level and, and then make their way up to state legislatures. And, and, you know, it's not lately, but you know, will eventually result in a federal change to the minimum law minimum wage marriage equality frankly it started with you know a couple city clerks issuing licenses to gay couples and it took a, a hell of a lot of time to get there but you know that eventually and it, it happened to the supreme court not not through the congress but you know local pressures can be exerted upward the reason you're seeing state legislatures step in to stop localities from from passing some of these kinds of laws is precisely for that reason they don't like that the that the pressure goes up but for now, at least, it is still a thing that happens and, and that has been a real driver of, of social change. 
And I think one of the other things as well that there's a lot of kerfuffle going on. And the other example I'd, I'd raise there is mask mandates, uh, but we don't need to go into that right now. One of the other things that I think is, is fascinating about the US is the devolution of running elections and electoral responsibilities to you know the secretaries of state. Uh, you can correct me on this one. Secretary of states at, in the states are under the you know, sort of the overall aegis of the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. Mm. But within the states as well, it's then you know localities that organise their own you know polling places, whether that's a, a state, a local, or a, a, a federal election. You know there is even a devolution in that, and I think that's a critical thing to be aware of right now where you know we are only what 60 something days away from 80 the election? days it's 80 days today 80 days right it is at the time of this recording yes yeah so election authorities are fantastic there was a story and i don't know that this has been proven true but there was a story that went around when we were first beginning to understand the influence of foreign actors and the Russians specifically on the 2016 elections in which the story was that the Russian government had tried to influence the local jurisdictions to actually change votes in the election. But there were too many, there were too many systems. It was too complicated and the technology was too outdated that the, the greatest protection for the U.S. system of elections was how clusterfucked it is, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I mean, the, the Chinese are an issue. TikTok is an issue. The Russians are an issue. They are a threat to our national sovereignty. But the easiest way to disenfranchise a voter is with a biased election judge in a polling place in a community center. Yep. yep. Which, again, comes back to that, you know, if you want to have free and fair elections, if you believe that everyone has the right to vote, then you should pay very close attention to who is both being elected or overseeing in those places where it's not elected, overseeing the execution of of elections at the state and at the local level. And I think one of the key things there is you know, there's lots of brouhaha and hullabaloo about um, – you know, fraudulent voting of which you know, a simple Google search will show that basically doesn't happen. But there is a lot, there is an awful lot of voter suppression and voter minimization simply by doing things like closing the number of polling places or moving them or instituting uh, ID laws at a local level and uh, which, which suppress or target a particular group of voters to stop them having, executing their rights as a voter for a say in the elections. And and that's just corrupt. So uh, a friend of mine, Jerry Nash, who's a, an old, old hack political consultant in Mississippi, and, and I say hack in the, the best sense of the word of people like Josh and I, in, in which uh, have skills will travel from candidate to candidate. Um, this guy, Jerry Nash, wrote a book about Mississippi politics in which during uh, one of the early Mississippi governors, I want to say it was probably Roscoe Barnett. During the Roscoe Barnett election, there were reporters in the room when 
the telephone goes off, somebody uh, puts telephone on speaker, and the election judge in my hometown in Prentice County asked the governor how many more votes they needed out of Prentice County. He thought he could stuff another 2,000, but if it was more than that, we were, they would be in trouble. That's amazing. Yeah. Right, Jerry Nash's book is, is full of all of the, the dastardly things that were done before we had electronics. I don't, I don't know that they still don't happen. Yeah. So and when it comes to paying attention to your local government, it's not just, you know, are you getting your roads paved? Are you getting your trash picked up? It's how are you being disenfranchised from being able to make decisions on other things as well? And this is very well documented now, very late uh, for minorities and that's terrible, but it, it goes much more beyond that, you know? And it, so we've, we've heard about gerrymandering and we've heard about voter ID and, you know, voter suppression, but it's, it's even worse, but fortunately you can work towards removing those people and it's through participation. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is stacked against many people. And I want to acknowledge that it is not stacked against me. Uh, one of the things that we had been relating previously was uh, vote by mail. I'm from California. I have always had, I felt as a right, just the ability to just ask for vote by mail. And it's like, yeah, sure. Here you go. And then when I learned that not everywhere had that and that often most places were trying to restrict people from being able to vote by mail. It was absurd. I was like, what? And so there are many things that stack against the individual from participating, but you know, you're your own worst. Like if you believe your vote doesn't count, that's really the, the worst of it. Your vote does count, right? I mean, if you can get out there and cast your vote, you can cast your vote to change. Is that still a reality? Yeah. And I think it goes beyond that. I think you're, your vote is an execution of power. And if it, if it wasn't powerful, then why would they spend, why would various people spend so much time trying to take your vote away or trying to get you not to vote, trying to make you think that it doesn't matter? They wouldn't spend all of that time and money doing that if your vote genuinely didn't matter. So the voting is important, but there are other things that you can do, particularly at the local level and even at the state level and actually at all levels of government, particularly at local level, to hold people to account aside from voting. You can go and talk to them. You can go and meet the people who represent you, and you can judge whether you believe that they are working in your interests or the community's interests, whatever you happen to do. And if you've got a viewpoint or if you disagree, there are ways with you know, in between the times to vote that you can you know, take issue with what or how someone is governing on your behalf. And you mentioned earlier where's about protesting as one of them. Um, you know, resorting to, to violence and burning things down is a, is a pretty extreme form of that. But at the same time, you can go to council meetings or you can go to commission meetings, ask questions, you can email questions, you can make phone calls, you can do a lot, particularly if you can get a few people around you to keep the spotlight on and the pressure on governing officials, elected officials, 
to act in the way that you believe uh, is in your best interest. Now, it won't always work because they are getting, if you're not talking to them, somebody else is. And I think that's an important thing as well, is that I think too many people go, oh, I, I voted. And then they sort of like wash their hands of it and then grumble about why you know, state, local, federal government doesn't work. Well, there's a lot of things you can do to keep the spotlight on those on those individuals. Democracy is absolutely a 24-hour-a-day gig. To be an engaged citizen, you got to do it all the time, not just on election day. And the people who do that build incredible amounts of power. Josh, tell the Baton Rouge story. I was going to refer back to, to Patti Smith here. The people have the power is, is her song. And, you know, the people have the power to redeem the work of fools. And, and that is, in my heart, what democracy is all about, right? Like, we are there to redeem the work of fools. And the fools are working really hard to make sure we don't have that power. Uh, but Baton Rouge, let's talk about Gary. Gary Chambers, guy who shows up to the, the Baton Rouge school board meeting. And that guy got a lot of sort of national attention because they were talking about naming a school after Robert E. Lee and whether that should change. And and he went full on passionate, brutalizing the school board, particularly one member of the school board who he caught shopping on Amazon during the debate. Poor Connie got it coming to her. And that little clip went, went viral and a lot of people saw it, but what you didn't see unless you watched the full eight hour school board meeting, which I admit I skimmed through and did not watch is that Gary knows his shit backwards and forwards on every single issue the school board's talking about. And Gary's got something to say and knows more than most of the school board members. Gary is, re- is redeeming the work of fools left and right because he shows up. He knows his shit. He, he knows everything about every one of those members. He's got his facts straight. But again, most importantly, he shows up and he knows what he's talking about. And that is you know a piece of power that we all have. Um, especially right now. I mean, I know more people who are going to school board meetings and city council meetings than ever before because all they've got to do is log on to Zoom and mm-hmm. they're, they're in the council chamber. You know, they may not have the same opportunity to, to stand up and, and, and give that impassioned speech, but, you know, however public comments are being taken uh, in, in this era, if nothing else, you have the ability to see in your own living room without even having to, to leave your desk what your city council is talking about, what your school board is talking about, what decisions they're making. I know a lot of parents who have never gone to a school board meeting, but you bet your ass they were there when they were deciding whether to send kids back to school in person or or do remote for the year. You know, I'm close to this in Nashville because I've got, you know, a labor union client that we go in front of the city council for budget stuff, uh, you know, all the time. And it's a small town, right? There's 35 city council members. You can't walk to the bar on the corner without bumping into three city council members in Nashville. Because they're all we, at the bar. There is one brewery owned by a former member of the council that is the de facto political bar in Nashville. And it's the one by the house, the East Nashville Beer Works uh, that we have all been to. Mm. We say in Nashville that the most dangerous thing to a legislative agenda is somebody bored with a Twitter account because it no longer takes years to become a lobbyist. It no longer takes years to become politically influential. If you've got a Twitter account and you go out of your way to start a conversation, reach out to your member of the council, 
you can get in that person's ear. You can get the attention of reporters. You can create your own narrative around whatever issue you care about. And people do this in Nashville all the time. You can have a say bigger than your vote. You just have to go out there and do it. Exactly. You have to go with intention. Yeah, and be consistent. And not consistent for years and years, right? But consistent for a few weeks about an issue. And if you can draw the attention of the Facebook crowd and you can draw the attention of a couple of reporters on Twitter, we had a city council candidate, God help him, he was a client of mine. The Parks Department cut down the wrong tree. They went into a public park, the, a big uh, Shelby Park, a big public green space in East Nashville, and cut down a couple of big trees that just so happened to be in front of new construction houses uh, that had been contentious. Um, they were you know, tall and skinnies that were not in keeping with the uh, single family patina of the neighborhood. And... The houses had been contentious. The city councilman went and you know, was an advocate for the project, got the houses built because we were trying to increase density to accommodate the people moving to Nashville. And then the trees got cut down. And uh, a couple of prominent neighborhood activists exploded on Twitter saying that the trees had been cut down by the developer with the permission of the city council. And that, you know, our tree canopy was ruined. The the view, the you know, old growth trees had been destroyed. And a television camera showed up at the developer's house. And the city, hmm. the developer called the city councilman who went running to his defense. And both of them ended up on television having to deny that they had cut down the trees that were mistakenly cut down by the parks department in the public park. Uh, It became a two week story because of bad media relations, but because folks on Twitter, a couple of dedicated neighborhood activists decided that they were going to make an example out of these trees and raise a fuss and reporters put it on television. There were follow up stories. People don't realize how much power they actually have because of how few people engage. Yeah. You know, when I was working in advocacy and, you know, there was a bill that came up every year that was a top priority for, for the organization I worked for. And there was a congressman who voted against it every year. And they finally asked him why. And he said, you know, the calls that come into my office are two to one against. And so I've got to do what my constituents tell me. And someone had the foresight to ask, well, how many calls did you get? And he said, the calls that came in were two to one. I got three calls, <laughs> right? Next year, he got a couple hundred calls and it wasn't even close, right? But that one person who called, who was the tiebreaker, you know, basically drove a member of Congress's decision on $10 billion in spending. Josh, what was the program budget <laughs> to get the bill done? It was the foreign aid bill. <laughs> right? It was like, it was 1% of the United States budget. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Tony in Stockton was making the call. <laughs> oh, God. 
And that's a member of Congress on the foreign aid bill. Like, that's a fucking West Wing episode itself. Yes. <laughs> but three calls. Or Josh Lyman. $10 billion. <laughs> oh. And, and so, and I think, I mean, with things like that as well, I mean, I think it raises a great point, which is while it's important to be informed and involved at the local level, to be a good and responsible citizen means maintaining a general awareness of statewide issues and national issues, international issues, because this is where an enormous amount of, of money is being directed. And if you care, then you know, there's a responsibility to, to not just have an opinion, but ideally to have an informed opinion, because a lot of the people who will make themselves noisy make themselves heard may have a very different opinion to you or may be reacting purely out of ignorance and and uh, uh, conscious ignorance um, on a particular issue that say they feel morally about or you know they heard on you know from Q or and you know those people are actively essentially wrecking the system of government and wrecking the way in which your tax dollars is being spent and I I, I think that you know, where's to your point is, yes, it's really important for us to be aware locally and to, to hold people to account. And, you know, Josh, great story is that you know, support ventures all the way up to the national level because, yeah, if it's someone who is an absolute kook making those phone calls or just on the borderline kook phase, uh, they may be actually influencing things that you – that you could actually do something about as as an as an individual if you also make your viewpoint heard. They they are taking part in democracy, and and your elected officials are going to listen to who they hear. Mm-hmm. I want to take a step back, take a breath, and and look at what we've been talking about so far for for the listener who is not uh, a political expert. Just listening, I'm already getting that sense of being overwhelmed. Uh, because we've caught, we've just now talked about so many different things and we've gone so quickly because all of you are so well-informed and passionate about this topic. Liam, what you said just a moment ago, I think really helps with this. You have to ask yourself, what do you care about? Because you don't have to care about everything equally. I don't think that's possible. You have different things that you can be passionate about. But if you've identified what you do care about, then you have this next level of, are you going to fall into the rage trap and yell, which is very sexy and attractive thing to do, although very counterproductive, as we've talked about many times in these conversations. So you want to make a well-informed impact because you want to have positive change. So my question then becomes, so for people who have decided that they care and now they want to gather that information so that they can affect well-informed change, where can someone go to learn about what's going to be on a ballot or to learn about candidates? We talked about how in the very beginning of this conversation that, yes, the presidential election is so, I don't want to say well-informed, but just force-informed because of the circus that it is and the talent show contest that it is, not talent, that's the wrong word, popularity (laughs) contest that it is. Mm And, and there's not as many resources, but they are out there. Where are some places that our listeners can go 
to become well-informed? Like, are there organizations that can direct you uh, towards ballots or towards initiatives and so forth? Yeah. We in the biz call these low information elections for a reason. It's because it, it, you, you really do have to go out there and, and look for it. Uh, a lot of states, I know particularly California, uh, Secretary of State sends out a voter guide where every candidate gets to submit a 200 word statement about who they are, why they're running and what, what's important. And that is mailed to every single voter. So that that's one. Your local legal women voters probably did something similar. If not, they've got a, a website where they've probably got Again, candidates submitted unvarnished, unedited statements about who these people are and why they're running. If you are in a place where there where local journalism exists, like you're you're not going to get the stuff off of CNN or, or watching watching cable news, whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you got to go look for it. Ballotpedia, which I think is ballotpedia.org. Yep, they have assembled a wealth of information on every level of candidate. Project Vote Smart's another one if they're still around. You know, they send a questionnaire to every single candidate and, and you get to see where they've come down on a number of, of issues. Go to the organizations that do the work on the issues that you care about, you know, whether it's Sierra Club or Planned Parenthood or the NRA or whatever it may be. And they're going to have you know, questionnaires and scorecards for, for lots of candidates. Um, it takes more work to get that information, but it is out there. And then as dandies... Do we feel like that's part of, you know, the responsibility of intent and being excellent to one another? This is a leading question, by the way. <laughs> no, there's, no, not at all. Correct answer. <laughs> Let the world burn. <laughs> <laughs> but intend to do it. Fuck them. Fuck them. Have you seen this? Jesus. Now, to add to Josh's excellent set of resources, Ballotpedia is my favorite lookup for candidates uh, because Ballopedia sends out like a 27 essay survey for candidates and some candidates answer the whole thing. Um, Mm -hmm. If people do that, you can find out, you know, it it is impossible to fake the the questions, the answers to the questions for the Ballopedia survey. Uh, Vote 411 will show you every election on your ballot, including your municipal ballot referendums, water referendums, school levies, uh, all of the the hyper-local stuff that is local to you. And then voteamerica.com allows you to check your registration status, update your registration status, get text message alerts when your election is approaching, and let you know how to vote by mail, increase your participation in your jurisdiction. So Vote America and Vote 411 are the ones I would add to that. Thank you. And and I think um, where's to your and thanks for that, you know, Mudcat because it's I think it's the, it leads into the next question, which is why is this so important to be involved? And the society we live in is based on a principle that it's effectively governed, and we need to, as dandies, take responsibility not just for ourselves, but for you know, Josh's point, you know, be excellent to each other for the people around us and the systems that support the community as a whole, regardless of people's differing beliefs, people's differing uh, goals and life goals and objectives. It's all part of, of the broader society. When that gets undermined, when people get elected who do not 
respect the position that they are elected to, it undermines that structure for everybody. When someone gets elected who who just spouts complete nonsense or who is a single issue person who is just you know getting elected to wreck the system, uh, it undermines the perception of that role. And and where over a long period of time people have or the organizations, the structures we have have established that the role of the president is to be respected, the role of the governor is to be respected, the roles of senators and congress people to a lesser degree, are to be respected. When you get people in those roles who don't show any respect, it becomes harder and harder for the general electorate to continue to respect that system, that structure. And and that just is it ends up in a really nasty spiral. You mentioned my international experience studying foreign elections, studying how historically structures of government have been undermined, that is a very common thread that arises, which is people got into power, they didn't represent the people, they abused their position, people lost faith in that position, people lost faith in the government, end up being governmental, societal, functional collapse. And it can take some time, sometimes it doesn't. But one of the things as dandies is is that you're choosing people who will continue to be excellent to each other and will help and support these structures of government that we have in place. I think it is a, a fundamental responsibility that we that we all hold and that that goes with the the principle of of being a modern dandy. Here here. Yeah. Yep. Well put. The only other thing I want to know is between Josh or Mudcat, which one of you is going to pitch a candidate first to have their tagline be, be excellent to each other? <laughs> uh, I think it's copyrighted. Yeah. And you can license it. You, you can pay. Fair use, fair use. People pay Don't for uh, songs and things like that. <laughs> uh, thank you to, to all. Uh, this is going to be hopefully an inspiring conversation for the listener I would like to give a homework assignment to everyone listening to this. Pick one thing that you care about. And if it's clothes, then look into, you know, child labor and, and uh, you know, everything that works with fashion and design. It, it can be anything. Find something that you believe in, research it, and go to these places, uh, um, Ballotpedia and, and Vote 411, and find out if there is something on the ballot for you coming up. As of today, it's 80 days. As of the release of this episode, I don't know. It'll be closer. It'll even less time. Challenge yourself to find something you care about and take action and hold your head up high that you are contributing towards positive change and let that sink in and and feel good about yourself. We want to know what you think. We want to know if uh, you think we're wrong, if we're right. So please email us at themoderndandy.life. And I have no idea what song we're going to put at the end of this conversation it's the end of the world as we know it <laughs> uh, well thank you all that's great it starts with an earthquake birds and snakes an airplane Lenny Bruce is not afraid I have a hurricane listen to yourself churn world serves its own needs dummy serve your own needs beat it up and not speak grunt no strength the ladder starts to clatter with Fight down high, wire in a 